The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Hey, everybody. So good to see you. My name is Stacy Croft. I am the pastor for our Music Row location. If uh, you, I haven't met you, hope I get to meet you, whether it's by Zoom and uh, one day in person. It'd be great to get to meet you and get to know you better. We do have a way to, if you are new, to uh, go on our website, uh, christpres.org uh, slash um, live, and uh, you can actually push the new button, and uh, you can sign up, and we'd love to get to know who you are, and actually we can send you a gift as well. Um, but just a couple quick announcements as we're kind of running uh, forward with um, our uh, service this morning and just things that are going on, particularly at uh, at all campuses as well as through our own location. First, there's a, with our Worship Connect serve, we have a worship opportunity. And actually, one of the great worship opportunities we have after this sermon, we're doing a, 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 a series called Consolation of Christ. And on the Wednesday following the Sunday, we're having an all-Zoom um, gathering for anybody for specifically we send it out to our music relocation um, but anybody can join and to discuss uh, the previous sermon uh, this last week we had a great gathering and talked about Paul Lim's sermon on um, death and just it's a great time for us to um, not only see one another but actually dig a little deeper in what we heard and how we can continue to uh, worship together by um, really making sense of who, what did you hear? What did you hear? What are your questions? What is the discussion? So I facilitated that. It was really, it was really a fun time and appreciated uh, those who joined us. And we have a connect opportunity, which is, again, an all CPC um, opportunity where we're going to have panelists. Uh, it's called a parent panel. Um, during It's called actually parenting in the pandemic, but it's a parent panel uh, to help um, peep adults and parents alike to how to communicate uh, during this time. Uh, it's gonna be uh, on April 30th at 7.30 p.m. And we're gonna have a, a myriad of people around the table just talking, spaced, uh, social distanced, of course, uh, to talk about how to both parent uh, and as an adult communicate this uh, to one another and to specifically kids during this uh, pandemic. I think it's going to be a beautiful opportunity um, to really learn language and how do we connect? How do we, uh, how do we talk about what's going on a little better? And then finally, a serve uh, announcement. Just recently, uh, last week, we sent, uh, actually, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, uh, Mary Claire Bryan, who um, is on staff at Christ Presbyterian Church, is also, she and her husband attend our um, location of Music Row and sent out a video f- just for our Music Row location on specific things that are targeted, ways to serve in our area during this time. And uh, we're going to resend that, and you can find it uh, probably in your inbox if you weren't able to open it. And you can always email me or, and, uh, or Aaron um, uh, McCabe, who's on staff with us and is our ministry director. She has all that information. Well, those things and more. I want to read our scripture for us, and then let's look at the passage for us today. This is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. 
Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of, of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown out into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, I'm often asking this, especially in this time, does Christianity make sense in our real life? Uh, practically, does it connect? You know, especially you read a passage like this one that dives right in about anxiety, and you want to ask, does it connect? Does it go really into the things we're feeling, especially since every day feels like the same and we wake up and do it all over again and yet we are stuck feeling anxiety about so many things? How does Christianity really connect to it? You know, in recent years, there's been a resurgence of something called moral therapeutic deism. Uh, this isn't really a, a, a critique at all on therapy. Uh, it's actually a worldview, meaning it's a way to view or live the world. So let's be clear about that. But really what it means is this. First, moralistic. It means that God wants you to be good, wants you to behave, wants you to act right. Therapeutic, it means that, that yeah, you, you're supposed to be well-adjusted, feel like you can do things right in this world, happy. And deism. And this is where it really gets tricky. Deism is a thought and a worldview that connects to these things to say that God, yes, gave us this world. He created it. He made it. But he really keeps us at arm's length. He kind of wound up the clock, so to speak, and then backed away to let it run. The issue that you can see in that, as I see, is that especially if we're asking the question, how does Christianity make sense, is, is how does it make sense if we experience all these things and I'm supposed to feel better, yet God is distant, keeping me at an arm's length. It really doesn't fit together. Then, then Christianity and God and anything else like it, religiously, just becomes another good tool in our toolbox to hopefully be well-adjusted, hope, hopefully have good relationships. But see, the anxiety and worry are there. And here's what's amazing about anxiety. It can commandeer nearly anything and everything we do. It could be travel. It could be uh, our bank accounts. I mean, anything that we're struggling with right now. It could be looking around in our home and feeling like we're suffocating. It could be anything. It could be the way we see our kids, the way we meditate and see ourselves so much in the mirror and are constantly seeing ourselves living out life uh, in close quarters. Anxiety jumps in and it commandeers. It, 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 it takes over. So what really does Christianity offer to change that? Different, I think, in this passage, and what Jesus is actually saying is that the way we approach our anxiety 
has a deeper meaning for what we actually live for. It actually parallels. It, it, it mines out what we really live for. What really captures our attention because it really connects to control. And so when we look at this passage, we're going to look at two things, really two major points about it. The kingdom of worry and the kingdom of God. I love Martin Luther, the famous reformer of the 16th century. His understudy, his, his friend who was younger named Philip Melanchthon used to worry constantly. And the thing that Martin Luther would go up to him and do is put his hand on his shoulder, look him straight in the eye, and say, Philip, cease to be king. That's what Jesus is getting at here. We're going to look at the kingdom of worry. What is, what, what, how do we understand what worry and anxiety do to us? And then also the kingdom of God. How is it really different? How is it more than just some tool in our toolbox? How does God actually dethrone anxiety rather than anxiety trying to dethrone God? So the kingdom of worry, you know, as Jesus begins, he says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat, or what you will drink, or what, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more, not more than clothing? I mean, you first read that if you're like me and you ask the question, oh, well, that's easy. Thanks, Jesus. You just say, do not be anxious about your life. Okay, everything right now feels anxiety filled. Anxiety is interesting because it is, and even before we got into this pandemic time, I think it really is probably one of the most epidemic issues that we face. So many of us struggle with it. So many of us, it's kind of a commonplace to worry about things. But what anxiety, what we usually do with anxiety is we can read verses like this and think that Christianity is somewhat of an escapism. Maybe it's a, a numbing. Is Christianity just saying like anything else? Oh, don't worry about it. It's not enough to worry about. Don't be anxious about it. God's, God's going to give to you. But you see, Jesus actually doesn't do that. He doesn't dismiss. He's not dismissing the fact that they have worry or anxiety or that they have needs. But he's actually getting behind that. He's actually saying we need to see the troubles. This is why he even acknowledges, even in the last verse there, he says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day of, is its own trouble, verse 34. That Jesus knows our days have trouble. That we, he's re, realistic about what is there. In fact, there's a <clears throat> great book that a lot of our leaders who are training to be uh, deaconesses, deacons, and elders are going through right now that they're reading called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And the line that in this book by Peter Scazzaro that I really like, he talks about anxiety. He says, the Bible is filled with commands to do not be anxious about anything. But to minimize or deny what we feel is a distortion of what it means to be the actual image bearers of our personal God. See, oftentimes what we do is we try and minimize our anxiety by trying to quote verses like this, or, or maybe to spiritualize things or over-spiritualize them. Or maybe in other ways, we, maybe we try and medicate them through other things. And, and hear me out, I'm not saying in any way that therapy or even medication is, is anti-biblical. It's actually not. What those things do, like what the Bible's doing, is we need to look into our anxieties. He's not saying, do not be anxious as a command. He's actually saying it as a comfort to come into it, to say, this is what we typically do is minimize our anxiety instead of actually making sense of it, looking into it. And 
Look, we're in a deep time of anxiety. I don't know about you. I've felt tight-chested nearly every other day. (laughs) And I'm constantly having to ask the question, does what I really believe about who God is impact the way that my chest feels? The way that I can walk around my house and my head is so full of questions and doubts that what do I do with that? It feels like scrambled eggs in my head, (laughs) just dealing with anxiety. But, But the Bible doesn't avoid it. Jesus goes straight at it. He actually says, I know that you're anxious. That's why he talks about their anxieties. Jesus is bringing the light anxiety because anxiety commandeers things in order for us to think that we can actually be in the driver's seat, that we have control. And so what it does to us is it means that we begin divided. In fact, the word anxiety or worry in this passage means divided. It means split apart. It actually means that our focus gets shifted. And man, I totally feel that. I don't know about you all and how anxiety hits you, but when it hits me, I have a hard time focusing on anything. I jump from one thing to the next, trying to keep the plate spinning or trying to wrap up something or or complete something else. And it just destroys me. <laughs> and, and, and But that's such a good picture of it. He's saying, What anxiety does is it splits your thinking. It begins to pull you apart. So that you start asking the question, what's going to happen to me? Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book, uh, and I've quoted several times in my sermons, because for some reason God has used uh, this book to really speak into the current moment we're in. It's a book called Screwtape Letters. It essentially is talking about how demons, how the evil ones um, around us, Try and remove us from our relationship with God. And listen to what the demons talk about when they talk about anxiety in human beings. They say this, There is nothing like suspense and anxiety for barricading a human's mind against the enemy, that is God. God wants men to be concerned with what they do, or our business as demons is to keep them thinking about what will happen to them. And isn't that really getting to the root of anxiety? You know, anxiety really gets to the root. And if we really pull back the layers, it really forces us to ask the fearful question of what's going to happen to me? It addresses our value. This is why Jesus goes into this this whole point here. And he says, verse 26, look at the birds of the air, right? Look at them. They neither sow nor reap or gather into barns, yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they. He goes straight to the question that we really are wondering. What's going to happen to me? Am I really that valuable? See, anxiety comes at the surface at first, and we think we can manage it. And sometimes it feels like we can. And and, and there are some moments where anxiety can be a healthy thing, where we feel like we need to accomplish something, and we do it. And that's very true. Anxiety isn't just always bad, but what it does is it begins to seep into the root system of our hearts. And it really gets to the heart of the matter where we think, what's going to happen to me if I don't have this? What will happen to me if I don't do this? And it ultimately becomes a value question. Because isn't it when we feel like we can prove something that we think that we're loved? That we know that we have value. If I can do this, if I can show you how valuable I am, then I know that I'm loved. It just works its way down. But if we don't know we have value and we, 
work hard to keep, to keep ourselves and we, we find ourselves isolated and anxiety commandeers our you know, lives for control over love and then forces us to be by ourselves. I mean, here, here's one thing that's been fascinating to me to notice, and I don't know about you, I've talked to so many people that feel the same way, is that when so many of us are stuck at home, all the projects that we've had to do, you know, maybe you've needed to fix something, paint something, uh, do the lawn, and I'm finding, like many of you that I've talked to, and including myself, that what happens when the projects are done? And we're kind of going, what do we do next? We're kind of faced again with the question of what is my value in? Dan Allender, who's a a therapist and thoughtful theologian as well, he says this about anxiety, and I think this is really powerful. He says, daily life tends to shield us from our real helplessness to the extent that it preserves our illusion of power and control, because that's what anxiety is. It's about power and control. He says, we can plan a trip or finish a project, And we feel powerful. But the effect of our labor can be completely undone in an instant. And we are helpless to keep that disillusion at bay. That's exactly what happens. Anxiety gives us this illusion of control. If I I worry and if I put enough into this, then I can keep it steady and stable. if If I ask enough, what will happen to me if, and I get my hands into it, I can keep my value but it can be destroyed in an instant. Because what happens when the projects are done? What happens when we're constantly seeing ourselves wearing masks? What, what happens when we're thinking about our health? We look at our online account and we're saying, and how long can I hang on to my savings? Those are things that we can't control. That we're seeing things move about and we can't stop them. See, the Lord is getting to the heart of it. Let me tell you who really cares. Anxiety and worry give us this false sense of power and control. I love the song by Jason Isabel called Anxiety. And he asks it in this way. He says, anxiety, he sings it this way. He says, anxiety, how do you always get the best of me? I'm out here living in a fantasy. I can't enjoy a single thing. Anxiety. Why am I never supposed to, where I'm supposed to be? Even with my lover lying close to me, I'm awake and I'm in pain. See, this is where it's tricky because what happens with anxiety, exactly what Jason Isabel is singing about, even when he's singing about being right next to his wife, thinking about his kids, and he goes on in the song to sing about this. What he's saying is, it's like a fantasy. He thinks he's in control. And what's happening, even with the one he loves the most in his life, right next to him, he can't experience the love. Why? Because the anxiety gives us the illusion of control at the expense of being loved. And it takes it away. So how in the world, how in the world does God, how does Jesus teach us to live differently in this? Because anxiety riddles us. What does the Bible really do with it? The kingdom of God comes in and it swoops in in this way to say, you have a different value. I am with you. And you can actually grow in what you see your anxiety in. Notice what he says here. He says in uh, this passage about, look at the birds of the air, verse 26. 
They neither sow nor reap, nor gather, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? What a great question. Jesus does this, he says it about then, and he also says this about uh, the lilies of the field, verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, who was a great king, who had more wealth than anybody in that day, and even compared to so many even today, in all his glory was not erased, arrayed like one of these. How does, how does God care for his people? He begins with this argument. It's called an a fortiori, fortiori argument. If I can speak, I speak for a living. <laughs> it means he's moving from a, a lesser to a greater. It means if this, how much more this? If God cares for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field that are at once here and there, how much more? And here's what's fascinating. The Bible is constantly using creation as a witness for us to help us understand how valuable we really are. Creation is crying that out. Part of God's kingdom is this, that he's set up this glorious kingdom that I hope all of us are getting to witness. Even if you're watching and maybe you're, you're kind of struggling and cynical about Christianity, you're kind of asking the questions. I hope you are watching this and asking that. That these last days, I don't know about you, but every sunny day is sunnier than it ever before. Every living creature around my home I've taken more notice of. There's even a nest in uh, a, a short tree right outside the glass windows of our, our front door. And we can just watch this mother and father bird, Robins, come and feed and tend to these babies, fighting off other birds, taking care, covering them in this rain and all the other things. Watching creation has constantly slowed me to say, wow, here I am thinking about my day to day, and yet there's so much more going on around me that are arrows that are pointing me to a kingdom that's happening, that God takes care of. You know, the Scottish poet, um, I love Scottish poets. They always have the best language, named Robert Burns. Now, you may not have Robbie Burns as well uh, as, as he goes by. And he's actually the one who wrote the famous song, uh, For All Acquaintance Be Forgot, Auld Lang Syne, that we always sing uh, every New Year's Eve. And um, <clears throat> the reason, he, he, he was also a poet. He wrote a poem called To a Mouse about him working in a field. And I, if I had it in front of me, I'd read it in Scottish dialect for you because it's written that way. It's really interesting. And he plows the field. And as he does, uh, he, he goes over a, a burrow of a mouse. And he sees it scurry away. And he sees the the plow kind of overturn the house of this mouse and he begins to to watch the mouse and think of his own work and the work of the mouse having to rebuild its own home and it slows him to say for the needs of this mouse what are the needs that I have that are met that that God this begins it says even here in verse 26 yet your heavenly father feeds them your heavenly father feeds them how much will your are, more val- are you more valuable than they? If the heavenly father, the one who tends and cares for creation and loves it so well and provides and even shows us the needs of everything around us, how much more are we valuable to him? And I think that's one of the hardest questions is we, do we know our value? In fact, the word value here 
is a word that derives from the word quality. It means that you and I have a quality that is unlike almost anything else, even in all creation. That there's a quality in us that God values because that's what faith does. See, when he hits this after he talks about the, 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 the birds and the lilies in verse 30, he says, oh, you of little faith. What faith does is it focuses on the object that gives that one looking the most value. We, anxiety is something that, it, that can be a vehicle for that. We can sometimes look to our anxiety as something to look through to make sense of life. But what faith is, we all have it. What is the object by which you're looking at to give you the most value? To say you're of quality. This is saying the heavenly father looks at birds and lilies this way, but how much more is our quality? One of the things I'm missing right now, as many of you are, as things have been canceled, is uh, getting to coach my uh, five-year-old's baseball team. And yes, it is as cute as it sounds. Uh, their little t-ball and coach pitch and those kind of things and running to first base and their helmet hardly fits and shakes on their head and they keep running you have to stop them it's just it's it's pretty cute yeah Um, but since we haven't been able to do that one of the things I remember um, even last season being able to coach and watch all of the kids is that every time they went up and I was usually pitching Every time these four and five-year-olds went up to the plate, and without fail, they were standing there at the plate waiting for the pitch. Before they even got to the plate, before we had to rearrange their feet because they would stand like this with a bat or they'd stand like with their back to us, (laughs) they would find their parent in the crowd. Even if I was saying, hey, you need to turn, you need to do this, they would find their mom or dad or grandparent or friend And they'd see them in the stands and they'd look to them first every single time without fail, almost as if to say, is it okay for me to go? All their anxiety, all the, even their readiness. I mean, we've practiced as much as you can with a four and five-year-old, but yet they always had to look, find the object that gave them the understanding of their most value. That's exactly what we need to do. That's what anxiety does. It robs us of that vision. It says, look somewhere else, divide. That's why the word means divide. It means, oh, look over here, look over here. That's why it feels so scrambling because we're looking to anything. Jesus is saying, look back. It's not that you don't have troubles. It's not that you don't have anxiety, but you need to make sense of what gives you the most value. What holds your quality the most? It's your heavenly father. That's the one that, that's where the focus lies so that you can actually go into life and step into it in a way knowing that whatever comes at us, which there's a lot right now, that we don't lose our value or look to anything else to tell us that. We go with value, not trying to grasp it. He gives us value. You know, the the other thing that this talks about is that our king is with us. The difference in this kingdom and then the kingdom of anxiety is anxiety is elusive. It's always saying, yeah, what will happen to me if? If you can get it, if you can hold on to it, you get control here. You think you do, and yet it just keeps on going. The kingdom of God actually says the king is with us. I was reading the Jesus Storybook Bible with uh, my son, my 10-year-old son, actually, the other day. 
And it says this in this, this passage, it kind of interprets this passage, so especially you, you, you kids listening, I love this, uh, this part. It says, where do the birds get their food? Do they have pantries or cabinets full of food? It's kind of a funny image. Do they go to the, the pantry and find food? No, birds don't do that. Where do the flowers get their lovely clothes? Do they have a, a clothes closet full of beautiful clothes? No. Do we see the flowers get up and go find them? No. It says, not even a king is this well-dressed, and yet God takes care of them. And then it goes on to say in the story, as I was reading it to him, it said, and they had never met a king, and this is where my son stops me. He goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, they have. And he points to the page where Jesus is drawn in and standing up and teaching them. He says, yeah, they have. There he is right there. And what was so genius that he was teaching me, thank you for teaching me again, my son is, the king is there. It's not that they haven't met a king. You know, yeah, I now understand the story. They haven't met a king in a royal robe, but the, they actually have met the king. They're actually with the king. See, the distinctive thing of Christianity is that, that Jesus is talking about these troubles, and why does he know so much about them? How can he say all these things? Don't be anxious about what we shall eat, what we shall drink, what we shall wear. The Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. How does he know that? Unless God himself, the king himself, took on the flesh to step into the troubles that we know. That's what's so incredible about what diffuses our anxiety. See, if any of you have been in an amazing, powerful relationship, be it a therapeutic relationship, be it just a friendship, what diffuses, what takes the volume of a 10 of your anxiety and turn it down? What, what turns the volume down? It's when you're known. It, it doesn't mean that everything goes away. It doesn't numb it. But it means that you're not isolated. If you know your value and you know it true, and you have someone that continues to point you to your value, the quality of it, then you know that you can face whatever it is that causes real anxiety. As Jesus doesn't dismiss their anxieties, he says, let's look at it together because I'm with you in it. Nothing diffuses the isolation, the shame, the power of trying to master your world and manipulate it other than having someone come into your world and show you how to live with it. It diffuses all of it. It reduces its power. It reduces its speed. It takes away from it. It's amazing what being with does. It, and some of us have grown up in a way where when we encountered anxiety, maybe as a kid, maybe even now, maybe we do it to our children, where we're diminishing the anxiety. We're saying, oh, it's not that big a deal. Don't worry about it. Maybe we're facing something as we're trying to say, uh, don't, uh, that's not a big deal. This is a bigger deal than that. But what are we actually doing when we do that? We're not just diminishing the anxiety. We're diminishing the person. And what Jesus does in this passage in no way is diminish the anxiety. He actually maximizes himself. He makes himself bigger because isn't that what we need? See, being with makes you see that it's okay. You're, you're with someone. You're, your anxiety isn't going to be the one that wins the day. Yeah, man, 
there are things around us that are fragile. And, and, and we feel ourselves being more fra- in a place of fragility more than ever. But isn't it amazing when someone comes in and meets our fragility? I wonder, always wondered why Jesus threw this in here. And I read uh, uh, this specific part when it says in verse 30, but if God clothes the grass of the field, which is today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Why this element of grass being thrown in? Well, grass was, was used as a fuel. You know, here it is, beautiful, and yet it's taken up and thrown in. You're more valuable than it. But one commentator I read said, it's to help us understand how fragile. If this is how fragile the grass is, and God cares about it, and we're this fragile, how much does he care? And how much more is it amazing that Christianity connects to our anxiety because God himself becomes fragile and he feels the anxiety that you and I feel. He wants to know it. He takes up the troubles. It's anything but a fix-it religion. It doesn't diminish, it doesn't diminish your anxiety and it especially doesn't diminish you. It raises your value. It changes it. It may, helps you and I make sense of anxiety in relationship and not apart from it because anxiety wants us to be alone and isn't that what real hell is what hell is is trying to manage life in complete isolation it hell is being alone and what destroys hell is God going into the heart of where we feel isolated scared and think we're the only one that can control it and what does he do he puts on the flesh to feel it. And the king is with us. So how do we continue growing? How do we grow? How do we, and Jesus says this. He even says, oh, you have little faith in verse 30. He's not saying, oh, you have little faith in that comment. And say that faith is something that you don't have. He's saying there's a deficiency. There's some sort of malnourishment of the faith. It doesn't mean that it grows so much. But what he's getting at here is to say that, as we talked about before, that anxiety can divide us. What faith is, is a focus. It's how do we grow is by looking back. It's a focus back on the real thing, on the one that really gives us rest. Look, I'm hoping to be able to go to the beach in a few weeks. Man, we've had this trip planned, just like all of you. Don't know if it's gonna happen, um, but it's one of my favorite things. And we take this trip some of you have done this. You go to Florida and we drive down and we hit on this road, back road called 331. And right when I get to the bridge over the bay to get to where all kind of the beach uh, areas are, where, where houses are, usually are, where we stay as our family, man, right when I hit that, see that bridge and get on it and I see the water in the bay and I'm crossing over to get to where the beach is, my blood pressure just starts dropping. And I just start feeling rest. But what if, what if right then I pulled over and instead of going over the bridge, I just pulled off to the median on the bridge and I just got out of the back and I started unpacking. And, you know, our family just started pulling all our suitcases out. People are driving by and they're just looking at us like, what are they doing? What am I missing? <laughs> I'm, I, I'm feeling rest. I'm feeling my anxiety decrease, but what am I doing? I'm, I'm missing the real thing. I'm not at the beach. 
That's just a, a, a point for the real thing. I don't want to miss it. My focus needs to be on the real thing. Faith isn't the bridge. Faith is what we look through to see our object that gives us value. And how we grow in our anxiety is constantly by looking back to the one who says, I love you. And I am with you in this. And we may lose everything. <laughs> and we may get sick. But there's nothing that can cause you to lose me. And you are always valuable to me. That we don't miss our true rest. What gives us true rest, it goes deeper than anything else. And yes, and yet, he says what? I clothe you. He gives them real needs. Jesus doesn't dismiss the fact that they need food and clothing. He gives them real things in their life. But what he, he doesn't miss that. But what he says is don't, Lose sight of just those things for the real thing. That's me. That's why he says the Gentiles run after. He says, for the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. That you need them all. He knows. He needs them. You need them all. So what's different? It's the fact that we live with a heavenly father that not only values us and not only is with us, but we can continue to look back to him for every single need that we have. But let's not miss the need that we have. That we, He feeds us. He clothes us. All the things, just like you and me, that we need toilet paper. We need hot water. We need money in our accounts. We need these things. But he has not left us. In fact, he goes to the depths to feel what we are experiencing right now so that he can diffuse our anxiety and us make sense of it in reality. Far from being arm's length away from us, far from any sort of moral therapeutic deism that says that this is just a good tool in your box, this is what makes sense and diffuses and even dethrones anxiety in relationship to our God through Jesus Christ. Praise be to God for his kindness. Let me pray for us. And then let's... Uh, hear the doxology, uh, sing the doxology together, and then uh, a benediction. Heavenly Father, thank you that anxiety is something that you step into. You, you, don't, you don't talk about it in a way that you think that we should just get over it. <laughs> but you step into it, and you help diffuse it. And you help us to manage it, and you help us to make sense of it, and you help us to go to the things that cause anxiety in our lives, things that are just everyday things that we need. And especially right now when we are feeling like we're running out of paper towels or we're feeling like we're never gonna see our friends or when is the next time we get to have a hug from someone or how are we gonna have money to make us through the next six months, God, you know those needs. Would we bring those to you? Would we be real just as Jesus is saying be real? with you about, God, we need these things. But will we do that never losing the fact that you hold us with so much value that you sent your most precious valuable item to the cross, that is Jesus. You sent the most precious thing to you, to the cross, in order to pay and die for the way that things are broken, that our needs are messy. 
And he steps into our needs so that we know we're loved and cherished. Thank you for diffusing our anxiety through relationship, both to you and with one another. We pray that we would continue to do that and ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our friend, and our keeper. Amen. Let's sing our doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. I want you all to hear the benediction. If you would like to raise your hands and your hearts to receive this from Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul says this in Philippians, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Go in peace. Sure do miss y'all. Love you. And hope you have a great week.